the worship that was so immoral and ungodly, Lord, and these people were so lost, hopelessly lost. And Paul found the altar to the unknown God, and he knew that God, and he presented that God. And while some mocked, and while some were willing to listen a little longer, you gloriously saved several people that day, Lord. And the message of the gospel, we know it's either foolishness to those who don't believe, but it is the power of salvation to us who believe. And so as we sing to you this morning, all of these songs, Lord, are related to praising your name and your holy name and the worship of your name and, and all the things about you that, are, that make you who you are. And while our praise, Lord, even when we give the best that we can possibly give, it's never quite enough. And yet in your grace and your love, you accept it if it's from our hearts. So I pray, Lord, that we would truly worship you today from our hearts. We thank you and praise you. And we love you, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we have the uh, connection card. If you are a first-time guest or maybe a second-time guest and have not filled one out, we would love for you to do that. Uh, you can turn it in in the offering plate or back at the Connection Center um, in the back of our uh, narthex there. Um, we'd like to know who you are, get to know you a little bit. And uh, we have a prayer request uh, thing here that if you want to fill that out, uh, the staff will, we have a list. Uh, if you come to prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, there's a long list of things that we pray about uh, that we need to pray for. And so remembering different needs and things in our church family. Uh, I do want to recognize, I'm not embarrassing, but I want to recognize uh, Mike's back. Uh, he's not my Sunday school class. Mike's back. Uh, he's recovering from that dump truck incident. And we're good. To, we're so, I'm so glad to see him walk in this morning. That was such an encouragement to me. And so uh, not to embarrass you, Mike, but I'm just so glad that you are here today and worshiping. I know you've had to be out for a while. And we are continuing to keep you in our prayers as well. All right. All right. Well, this morning we're going to uh, sing a couple of songs together. So uh, kind of watch me because we're going to go from one song right into another one. We're going to start with How Great Is Our God.
come for the offering. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father, you have blessed us 
with so much. Some have more, some have little. But Father, you've blessed each one of us to even be able to live in a country where we can worship you freely, where we can work jobs. We need to realize, Father, that uh, we are stewards of what you've given us. Always help us to remember that, Father, that every penny that comes across in our paycheck really ultimately belongs to you. And you just want us to steward it wisely. Use what we need for our living. But, Lord, to give to you, as Paul says, let every man give as he has. So I pray that we would take this as well as an act of worship, worshiping you by giving to, our, to your church, Lord, so that we may reach more for the gospel, expand our missions programs out to reach other people, Lord, because the time is short, I believe, Lord. We need to, we need to be bold about the truth. So I thank you and praise you that you give us what you've given us, and may we give back to you in honor and worship and praise. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch's treasure. How great the pain of searing
Thank you. You may be seated. I appreciate Brother Phil helping us out today while David and Cammie are snow skiing over in Colorado. Must be nice, amen. We just pray they come back physically whole. One time Cammie came back from Colorado injured and we told David he shouldn't have pushed her down. But, but no, we're thankful for time away and we're thankful for Brother Phil stepping in this day. Glad you're here today. I want you to know that you have an opportunity this morning to hear God speak to you one more time. And that's a blessing. Especially in light of this incredible text of Scripture. Let's pick up our reading in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. I want to talk to you this morning about hearing today the lessons from the past. Hearing today the lessons from the past. The Bible says... In Hebrews 3, verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said... They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Let's pray. Father, you've given us this text of Scripture as a warning. It's a warning to the people of God. Lord, there are disconcerting terms in this text of hardening and testing and rebellion and not entering rest. Lord God in heaven, would you give us ears to hear what your word says. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The text has been about you having an unswerving, undeterred, Determination and confidence in Christ in the way of salvation. It's a motivating text of Scripture for you to continue on in the faith you have. Why? Because you share in a heavenly calling. See it in verse 1? You are to contemplate Jesus, consider Him. You are called by God, the very house of God. And then you see the if. In verse 6, if you indeed continue on and hold fast. Meaning that holding fast is not the 
means of salvation. Holding fast is the result that you are the house of God. That's what the text is saying. It's not to tell you. It's not to cause you to go out of here. Uh, if you're saved, it's not to cause you to go out of here fearing that you're going to come up short. It's a motivation, the fact that you are in the house of God, that you will continue on and hold fast because you belong to the Lord. So when you get to verse 7, it brings us to a lesson from the past to encourage our walk with Christ in the future. It's a lesson from the past. And I trust so far that you are more resolute in following Jesus because of Hebrews 3. I trust that you've learned already what the text is saying and the urgency that is given in the passage of Scripture so that it rivets our attention to Jesus. Let me just make this clear. There is no salvation apart from Christ. You don't have a half of hallelujah chance of heaven without Jesus. And that's what Hebrews 3 reminds us of. We are to consider Christ. We contemplate Him. We fix our focus upon Him. Why? Because there's no right standing with God apart from Jesus. There's no righteousness given to you apart from Jesus Christ. So truth is a weighty thing, isn't it? And I hope you felt the gravity of this text as I read it. There are some passages that weigh more heavily on us than others, and this is certainly one of them. It's about hearing God's voice. It's a serious passage of Scripture. It's profound. And I think we should make it our practice to read the Bible daily. Should we not? But did you know that there's not a whole lot said about reading it? But there's a whole lot said about not just hearing it, but actually hearing and obeying it. We probably don't read it publicly enough. Does, should you read the Word of God? Absolutely. But the emphasis in the Bible is hearing it and obeying it. And God speaks, and He expects us to hear Him. How does He speak? Well, the book of Hebrews shows us how He speaks. He, he speaks powerfully, plainly, directly, and personally through His Word. And the final word of full redemption, full revelation, has been given do I need to go back to chapter 1 and tell you? Long ago and at many times in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Finally, definitively, completely he has spoken. So for the original readers of this book and for us, it is what God has spoken through his son that we need to pay very close attention to. Again, he's concerned about the people's persevering faith. He wants them to lay hold of the value of belonging to the family of God. And he wants them to hold fast in that confidence all the way to the end. So there is an imminent danger today just as there was when the writer wrote this book. And that danger is you will not persevere. And if you don't, you went out from us because you were not part of us. Then you only looked at salvation as an escape from Egypt. But not in living for Christ. There's a massive difference. You're not just saved to escape hell. You are saved to become God's possession. A people of his own. And there's a very big difference between that kind of mentality of an analogy, a parallelism, if you might say that, of being rescued out of Egypt, 
like the people of Israel, only to get out into the wilderness and have a few trials and circumstances and sins that they saw and indulged in. And the reality is, the only thing they cared about was getting out of Egypt, but not living for Christ. Not believing, not obeying. So the word comes as an instrument of judgment on those who neglect such a great salvation. Do you remember that in chapter 2, verse 3? What a great verse. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How shall we escape? So the word comes as an instrument. God uses the preaching in this text to call, certainly call unbelievers to faith in Christ. Yet that's not all. He calls us as believers to keep our gaze on Christ. The author, chapter 12, verse 1, and finisher, perfecter of our faith. So, in ways that, that do not in the least bit contradict the gospel and the certainty of faith, this warning spurs us on in our hearts as true believers to greater faith, to deeper commitment, to the truth of God's word, to resolute determination, to continue on to the heavenly city of which you haven't made it there yet. So we continue on. We've learned that Christ is glorious, is he not? He's superior to Moses. And so it's like the writer with that truth ringing in their ears that Moses may have been the apostle and high priest of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. There is but one apostle and faithful high priest, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses was in the house as a servant, but Christ owns the house. He's the Lord over the house. So with that ringing in their ears, it's almost like the writer says, Okay, Moses was faithful as a servant, but his people were not. And let, with, the, with it ringing in your ears about Moses and his faithfulness to God, let me tell you about the people of God. Let's step back in history and look at Israel's rebellion against God after their exodus. So, the danger for these readers or listeners and you today is a parallel to the danger of ancient Israel in the wilderness. They were in danger of not listening to God's voice. They were in danger of hardening their hearts. They were in danger of not inheriting the promise. The writer does not take us to Exodus where the themes begin. And that should be in your mind. But he takes you back to Psalm 95. And so the writer of Hebrews takes us to Psalm 95. He applies it to the congregation that he's preaching to that he's writing the sermons to, writing the epistle to, and he demonstrates to them that they must be careful that they hear God's voice and not harden their hearts as was in the rebellion. So this is a warning that the refusal to listen to God's voice and respond in obedience would entail the tragic loss of the promised inheritance. Y'all think this is pretty serious? Should we listen? Yes, you need to, to listen. So that's the very first point of the sermon. Make every effort to hear God's word. Underscore this, today. Are you listening? Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year, not 20 years down the line, young people. Today. I hope you hear the seriousness of this. Make every effort to hear God's word today. So there are several passages in the Old Testament that speak to this reality of hearing. 
But let me give you one from the mouth of God through his servant Moses. Okay, since we've talked about that. Chapter 32 of the book of Deuteronomy, just listen. I'm already there. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I'm warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over to possess in the Jordan. Notice the similarity. Warning. Today, choose life. And then the other one I want you to think about that puts both these themes together would be Psalm 29. Hearing, make sure you listen. It's your life. Choose, choose life. Listen. And then next, what about the voice of the Lord? Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice, voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as a king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Brings both those things together. Listen, warning, and the powerful voice of God. So since Jesus, the Son, is superior to Moses, how much more so should we not harden our hearts concerning the message that we're hearing from God today? Now, he doesn't say, hold on, and let me give you a word of knowledge that just came to me out of nowhere. Some of you are laughing because you know where I'm headed with this. He doesn't say, this is what the Holy Spirit says to me personally, and I'm now going to give you a prophetic word on my own. When the Lord, the Spirit speaks, He gives a warning from the Word of God. He actually gives them Psalm 95. In other words, He says, in the present tense, this is what God says, Psalm 95. And he turns around and quotes Scripture. He's teaching us clearly that when the Scripture speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks. This is so important for you to understand the authority, the perseverance, the, the preservation part, the sufficiency of the Word of God. As the writer sets the Scripture before us, whether it's Psalm 95 or Psalm 110 or Psalm 2, he maintains that through a quotation in the Word of God, God is now speaking to you dynamically and directly and personally. The Bible is the voice of God which speaks today. It's the Word of God. 35 times in the book of Hebrews, the writer will refer to Scriptures as God speaking. 
Four times he's going to refer to the scriptures as the Son speaking. And five times he's going to refer to the Word of God being spoken by the Holy Spirit. What is this an indication of? Well, it's one, an indication that the Holy Spirit is God. That's the deity of the Spirit. But also, God is speaking directly through His Word, through the Spirit. And what the Spirit says, God says. And what God says is in the Word of God. And what the Word of God says is what God is saying to you. It's the Word of God. So please remember what the Word says, God says. What God says, He says dynamically and powerfully and authoritatively and personally and directly in and through His Word. What does that mean? Well, it means as we stand and unfold what this book is saying, when we expound it and we explain it and we apply the Word of God, we recognize that this is the voice of God speaking to us through His Spirit. Everybody getting this? This is how powerful the Word of God is. This book has, this Bible, this book has 66 books in it, but it's one Bible. It's one Bible given to us. And this is the finished, complete revelation of God. I hear a few of those. But you understand, this is where we stand. What God gives us, He gives us completely through this book. And the same God that gave us these 66 books is the same God that has preserved it for thousands of years. Why? Because this is the Word of God that is given to us. So the book of Hebrews reminds us of this. God spoke in parts, in pieces, and in different times. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. The New Testament and Christ puts the puzzle together. It's the culmination of divine revelation. So when we say God speaks today, we're not talking about lying on your bed waiting for God to speak audibly to you. What we're talking about is that God takes His Word, the full, complete, accomplished revelation of the Holy Word of God, which is Christ-centered in the Old and the New Testament. It is final, and it is through that which God speaks today. This is why the writer says, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear His voice. Hebrews 12.25 says, See that you do not refuse Him who is speaking. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So to the writer of Hebrews, when Scripture speaks, God is speaking. When the Bible says, the Holy Spirit says, it is God speaking to us today, if you will hear His voice. Do you feel the urgency in the passage? Today. Today. There is certainly the ever-relevant part of God speaking through His Word. As it says in Hebrew, uh, excuse me, 1 Peter 1, 23 says, Since you have been born again, not by the perishable seed but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And listen to this. And this is the word of the good news that was preached to you. So the Bible is like no other book, isn't it? 
The Bible is like no other book in the entire world. And the fact that it's inspired by God is God-breathed. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. It is a living, dynamic book. And it speaks to us today. And it is the very voice of God that is speaking today. Again, the urgency today. The Spirit of God addresses the people of God. And He's admonishing them in Psalm 95, right? That's a different generation than the one that Moses wrote to in Deuteronomy. Okay? And He's taken that generation in Psalm 95. And the writer is presently in Hebrews addressing his generation. A goodly distance removed from the Psalm 95 generation. But you are removed from the Hebrew generation that the writer was writing to and God is speaking to you today through his word today Psalm 95 begins with a cry of joyful praise to God who has saved them it is Israel worshiping the Lord we're going to look at that next week okay but the Lord should be thanked and that's what Psalm 95 begins with. It is extolling God for who He is. He's the great King over all. His Lordship is evident. He's the Creator, right? He's the owner of the sea and the dry land. All the earth belongs to the Lord. Therefore, Israel should worship the one who is the Creator and Lord. He's the Shepherd of Israel. He takes care of His people. So the psalmist's readers should not harden their hearts like the wilderness generation did are they going to face the wrath of God and fail to enter his rest? All right, folks, are you listening? Hear that today. Hear it now. Hear that today. Make sure you hear it. The call is to hear God's voice speaking through his word today. It is just like that in the offer of salvation, is it not? Paul will say, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Let's be honest. You don't know if you're going to get tomorrow. James would say life is a vapor. It speaks of the short nature of life as well as the, the brevity of life, the uncertainty of life. You don't know how many tomorrows you have left. Life is short. Make sure you hear not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not when you're 18, young people. Not when you're 35, you that are a little older, not young people. Those of you who are 50 years of age or 80, not tomorrow, but today. Make sure you hear. Today, if you hear his voice, is this not personalized for us? Today, if who? You. It's personalized. To have spiritual ears to hear means that you hear from the word of God and you have a disposition to obey what you hear. How are your kids doing with that one? The disposition to obey when they hear. <sighs> Get off the fortnight. I will in a minute. Well, partial obedience is total disobedience. Isn't it? I mean, just think about that disposition to hear what the Word of God actually says. To have spiritual ears means that you have a disposition to hear. You're not pushing back on the Word of God. You've got a disposition to hear it, and you're disposed unto God to obey Him with that disposition. Lord, where you call me, I'm going to go. Where you lead me, I'm going to follow. 
what you command in your word, I'm going to obey. How many of you love God? Raise your hand. Be careful. Drop it. How many of you obey his commands? Raise your hand. What happened? First John says, chapter 5, if you love me, all right, you already, you're busted. You're busted. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. A disposition to hear. Now, Jesus said, my sheep hear my, wow, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Now, I've never heard the voice of Jesus audibly. And people who say they have make me very nervous. Because in the Bible, people died or could die in the presence of the Lord or even hearing his voice. And I don't see people dropping like flies who claim audibly to hear from Jesus all the time. You are hearing from Jesus right here. That's the principle. It amazes me how so many people deny or say, well, the Bible's contradicting itself when I say that I can hear from God on my own and I don't have to have the Word of God. There are charlatans. They're hirelings. They're in it for the money, not based on... Because if you preach this book like it's written, then you're not going to be the most popular person in town and you're not going to draw the most people. When Jesus preached, people didn't flock in. They clocked out. Now listen, I know you said, be nice, preacher. I get it. I'm trying to be nice. But I'm trying to tell you that thus saith the Lord is not popular. It wasn't in Paul's day and it's not in ours. So here's the deal. God is speaking through his voice. Spiritual ears hear that. And the Bible would even add, faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Now, be careful there. It's not just the words about Christ. In that text, it is Christ speaking his words to you. So how does faith come? Faith comes effectively as the voice of God comes through the scriptures and speaks to your heart, awakening you to that reality of Christ. And when that happens, it grips you and changes you. Now, I've never heard Jesus speak audibly, but when I was nine years of age, something happened. When God awakened in me, when he took out that heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh that was pliable, and I heard the voice of God from this book, God regenerated my spirit. That which was spiritless, God made alive and gave me his spirit. And when that took place, I was gripped and changed. Now remember that. That's important. If there's no change, there's no salvation. If there's no tree, there's no fruit. So, this is what the writer of Hebrews is addressing. How is it, as a matter of fact, just something that dawned on me as I was preaching, studying this text. How is it that Paul could tell the Galatian Christians about the power of the cross when they were removed hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem? They never saw Jesus publicly crucified, but here's what he says. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. How can he say that knowing full well they didn't see him publicly crucified? Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? What is he saying there? 
When the gospel goes forth through the word, there's so much in the active speaking of God through his Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ is put on display as crucified as the object of your faith when you hear the gospel. That's what happens. Even though you were not there when he was crucified. He puts him publicly before you. Why? Because that's the power of the Spirit and the Word. No one is ever saved apart from the Word and the Spirit. Effectively working in us. So, Paul will say to the Ephesians, But that's not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. This morning, do you hear Him? This morning, the Bible tells us, actually the Bible tells us throughout the course of Scripture that there are those who are dull of hearing. That's in Hebrews chapter 5. There are people who are deaf in their ears. They can't hear. There is the spiritually itching ears. What does that mean? Well, I will listen to what scratches my itch. And then there are those who have spiritual ears to hear. Jesus will say in Matthew eleven fifteen, who has ears to hear, let him not just just because you got this thing stuck to the side of your head doesn't mean you're hearing. All right? So Jesus will say, He who has an ear, let him hear. Revelation chapter two and three is fascinating, isn't it? As Jesus is giving his admonitions to the seven churches, how does he end every one of them? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So I ask you this morning, how's your hearing? Is it dull? Is it deaf? Is it itching ears? Do you have an ear for what God is saying to you? The writer will now move to a command, but just are you hearing the voice of God? And if we take this contextually, what's the main theme that you've got to listen to? Jesus. Are you listening? You're contemplating Jesus. You're thinking about so great a salvation. You're thinking, you're thinking about how God made propitiation for you. You're thinking about the righteousness of God imputed to you. It, it was outside of you. you. You didn't, for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're contemplating Jesus. We're contemplating his faithfulness. He's been faithful to you. And then the writer says this. Can y'all handle one more point? Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now he's going to take a couple of Old Testament words, and we'll look at that next week, to form those two words, rebellion and testing. As a matter of fact, Moses is going to name those places in Kadesh Barnea, and, and that's really in Rome, uh, Numbers 12 and 11, 11 and 12 and 13. And he's also going to mingle in Psalm 95 once again. But here's the admonition. Based on the lesson from the past, based on hearing God's word today and his voice, based on all of that, God is speaking through his word, do not harden your hearts. In contrast to Moses, who was faithful, the people of God were faithless. The author doesn't want his readers to repeat that faithlessness. So Psalm 95 warns God's people not to harden their hearts. Not to turn away from the God who brought you out of Egypt. That was originally there. When God takes out the heart of stone, puts in the heart of flesh, 
Here's the deal, folks. It issues, issues forth into heart obedience. Are y'all listening? This is such a serious text of Scripture. When you are truly saved and born of God and you're in the house of God, when you living for God is heart obedience. Did you know that the first time love and obedience is brought together in the Word of God is found where? Deuteronomy 6. God never sought the sacrifice. He sought an obedient heart. And the Bible says you shall love the Lord. What, what should be the motivating factor to obey? It is the love of God for you. It is your love reciprocated to Him. You love Him. So heart obedience is the issue. So the Bible speaks of the danger of the hardening of the heart. You ever read some of these? Uh, when the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, well, why did you give that bill of divorcement for during Moses' time? What does the Lord say? Because of the hardness of your heart. In other words, your lack of confidence in thus saith the Lord. Your lack of resolve to hear what I say and obey and follow. How about Pharaoh hardened his heart against the word of God? Like nine times. And then how many times does God harden his heart? About nine times. In Stephen's sermon in Acts chapter 7, uh, he's preaching to the Israelites. And he starts on Moses. And boy, howdy, do the people get bent all out of shape. And he tells them, you've got an uncircumcised heart. And you're always resisting the Holy Spirit. How's that for the first sermon someone preaches? Right? <laughs> How to make friends and influence people, won't it? And what happened to Stephen because he preached that? Well, they killed him. He was the first martyr in the book of Acts because he told them, your hearts are hard. And what about Paul in Romans 2.5? You have a stubborn and unrepentant heart. Luke says many were hardened in their hearts, being, dis listen, being disobedient to the word of God. So what is a hardened heart? It's a heart that is hardened, or actually a heart that is hardened, is resistant to truth. Now, this is important. It's a heart that delays in responding to the truth. It's a heart that is good at reshaping the truth the way you want it to be and not what God says in His Word. A hardened heart is one that ignores the Word of God. A hardened heart is one that delays a response to truth. Hear this verse. Today, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, do not harden your heart. So... Chapter 3, verse 8, chapter 3, verse 15, chapter 4, verse 7 is going to say the same thing. But you know, there's only one of two ways to respond when you hear God's voice. You comply with it or you refuse it. The moment we make an excuse or begin to justify ourselves for our disobedience, it becomes a whole lot easier the next time to, to not respond to the truth. There's a hardening. Our justification for our disobedience will just go on day after day after day, and soon you're going to find your hearts hardened. Your soul, folks, listen, I've thought about this sermon more than, I think about all of them all the time, all day. But boy, this one's pressed on me harder. I think because my soul and your soul, if you're a believer, should find no rest if you failed to obey God. We excuse things like that so fast in our day, don't, don't we? Because we don't, 
we don't want ourselves standing before a holy God. We don't want to think of ourselves before a God who speaks through his word and never makes a mistake. Who's trustworthy. Who's ever, who never changes. And we recoil against that. Especially in our society when we're not, we don't want to hear anybody tell us what is absolute. Truth is relative to the world. Right? At large. So, we should... What should bug us the most is disobeying the Lord and living with an unrepentant sin. And you realize that you're one step closer to the hardening of the heart. Does that bother you? It should. And that's why, that's why the motivation is given to us. It ought to bug us that our hearts are moving in a hardening fashion. That we're hearing God's voice but we're not obeying. That should bother you. It bothers the preacher of Hebrews, right? It's bothering him. Why? Because these people have supposedly put their faith in the only means of salvation, being Christ. And yet they're tempted to move away from that. Some, thank the Lord, lost their homes, lost their possessions, lost everything they had. And they weren't moving an inch. You know why? Because the writer was convinced of better things. He knew that God's real people will stick to it. But there were those who maybe got their get-out-of-Egypt-free card and they didn't really want to live for God. They didn't want to continually hear His voice. They didn't want God to speak to them and for them to continually obey. So, we should be petrified of having a hard heart. It should scare the life out of us that we can get a hard heart and not hear the voice of God. Our prayer should be, Oh Lord God, I want to hear Your voice. I want to hear Your Scriptures. I want to hear, thus saith the Lord. I want to hear the word of Christ. God, don't let me have a hardened heart toward you. So, to not respond with a hard heart is to say, I receive your word by faith. I believe what you're saying no matter what it costs me. It hurts. Hebrews 12, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and scourges every one of us. And if you don't receive that chastisement, you're a bastard. You're an illegitimate child. So I say to the Father, bring on the whipping. Makes me feel good that I know I belong to you. Right? If there's no discipline, uh, your Father doesn't love you if He doesn't discipline you. Think of this. So, I respond in obedience. I want my heart to run in the truth. It's a dangerous road to have a hardened heart. And it will be more hardened tomorrow. What does the Spirit say? Commit yourself to Jesus Christ. Receive Him and all of His benefits. Submit to Him and His Word. This is the Word of God that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. Embrace Christ for who He is. Let Him be yours. Seek to obey Him in all your ways. If you have an ear to hear, then hear His voice. Don't harden your heart today. Today is the only acceptable time. And you ought to see this as if your day of grace would end today as the sun goes down. That's how serious you ought to be about not hardening your heart against the Lord, but obeying Him. You need to see this as if all of eternity depends upon the present hour and your obedience to the voice of God now. Today. Now, it's an amazing thing to read in the Bible where God is sovereign in opening eyes 
But at the same time, he turns around and says, today, you better listen. You ever found that? It's called a theological conundrum. A theological conundrum. All you got to do is read Acts 16. Lydia is on the riverbank, a seller of purple, and she's by the river, and, and Paul is preaching the gospel, and the Bible says this, and the Lord opened her heart so that she would understand what Paul is saying. The power of God to open up a heart so that you can understand the gospel. That's a God thing. That's, that's Bible. You, you can't hiccup over that. He opened her heart so that she could hear. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. But here's also some good Bible teaching. Don't harden your heart today. Because that's what the verse says. Right? So this is good, sound, biblical teaching. Today, you treat today like it was your last opportunity. You treat today like the last hour of grace that's going to come to you. You treat today as if everything you look to in eternity depends on what you do today. As Luther recognized, today is the day of salvation because today may be our last. That is so true. The original audience could not presume upon another day. Neither can we. Albert Moeller says, For anyone to hear God's voice is a result of an act of mercy alone in salvation. God speaks in order to save his people. Amen? So the author teaches his audience that God has graciously spoken so that we might be saved through Jesus Christ. Listen, this is what God said. This is what he has spoken. Don't harden your heart. Now, they must obey his voice, not just when you trusted him, but all the way through to eternity. That's the point of this. You know, I grew up in the South, and I can't tell you how many times we knocked on doors and invited people to church, and they was like, Preacher, I took care of that a long time ago. Well, what exactly did you take care of a long time ago? I mean, you're in the backwoods in Georgia, and you, got, you hear all kinds of stories. Well, I did that God thing. I took care of that a long time ago. And my response was always this. If you're not taking care of it today, you didn't take care of it then. If you're not taking care of it today, you certainly better not put your trust in a decision you made. You might have got the warm fuzzies. We, we may have sang how great thou art, and you had a tear in your eye. You think that saved you. What? Again, that's a good Hebrew word, baloney, right? Just because you cry in church doesn't mean you're saved. Have you put your trust and faith in Jesus and has that trust? Paul says it this way. I will press toward the mark to lay hold of Christ because he first laid hold of me. <laughs> That's the Christian life, folks. He laid hold of you and the rest of your life you live in such a way you press toward grabbing hold of him. That's Christian living. If you don't have that desire today... You're lost as a ball in high grass. Seriously. A goose in a snowstorm. There's, there's no way you're saved if you don't have a desire to grab hold of him because he's already grabbed hold of you. If any man be in Christ, he's in, how can you be a new creation and not want to follow him? It makes no sense because it's not possible. Right? If he makes you new, you're going to follow him. So, young people, look at me. You think you got tomorrow, don't you? Boy, this is really a lesson for young people. I think I've got tomorrow. And, and, and for you young people, I'm telling you, you've got bigger responsibilities. Why? Because you are under the gospel privileges every single Sunday. 
You're hearing exactly what the Word of God says every single Sunday. God is speaking to you from this book. And I know what your attitude is. That cramps my style. I know that my mom and dad are Christians. I know that I've got all these privileges, but I've got tomorrow. No, you don't. You do it today. You listen to the voice of God today. You follow what the Bible says today. You don't walk out of here and reject Christ. You trust Jesus. Hear me today. The greatest danger you face in all of life is the hardening of your heart today so that when you hear his voice tomorrow, you can't respond. Young people, if you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts. If you're not young today, and that's everybody else in here, so I don't offend you, you know, time goes on and your heart can get hardened. Today could be the last day you hear his voice. And you say, well, preacher, I'm wiser than those young people, and therefore I'll make it till tomorrow. Well, time is passing, and with every passing day, your heart gets harder and harder. Today, you will either walk with God or you won't. All right, final conclusion. In the Christ-centered exposition commentary series, Albert Moeller shares the story about attending a lecture by a guy named Heiko Obermann. Doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but if you study history, it does. He was like a world-renowned scholar over the Reformation. So that time of Luther and Calvin, well, it's the time that God moved in such a way that you're able to sit in this church today. Had it not been for the Protestant Reformation, you wouldn't be here today. So, so God works in, in a huge way. But this guy was a scholar of the Reformation time. When Dr. Moeller attended a lecture by Heiko Obermann, Moeller was like 25 years old. And Obermann was 75. And as he was lecturing, he got frustrated with the class. And Moeller says, it wasn't because we were not listening. It wasn't because we were misbehaving. He got frustrated because we were so young. We were just young guys. And here's what Obermann said. Young men will never understand Luther because you go to bed every night confident that you're going to wake up healthy in the morning. Wow. In Luther's day, 1500s, every day could be your last. They had no antibiotics. They didn't have modern medicine. Sickness and death came swiftly. Moeller continues, Obermann was right. To fully understand Luther, we need to know he faced the reality of eternity each day. But here's the deal. So do you. So do you. History tells us that Luther was terrified to close his eyes at night and to go to sleep because he feared he'd wake up in hell. If you know anything about Martin Luther, what was it? Well, he understood and recognized the holiness of God. He also understood his sinful condition, and that plagued him. How can I, a sinner, be right with a holy God? And that's when God spoke to his heart and said, we got somebody who can help you with that problem. His name is Jesus Christ, the justifier of men, who can take a holy God and unite him with a sinful person. Why? Because of his death on the cross, wherein he bore your penalty. Turned the wrath of God away. And Luther loved Preaching on grace. Why? Because for so many years as a Catholic, he would climb that confessional, those confessional stairs. They actually talked about his callous knees. As a matter of fact, one of the priests said, Luther, why don't you go out and commit a real sin before you come confess it to me? Why did he say that? Because Luther was stricken in his heart by the holiness of God 
and his own sinful condition. It plagued him. He understood that only the imputation of Christ's righteousness found in the gospel would deliver him from the fear of death. So the message of Hebrews 3 is this. Only through the gospel can, can we be saved. Jesus Christ is the only one that can give you the assurance of a right standing before God. Just think about how important this is for these Hebrew people. If you move away from the only thing that can give you a right standing before God, then you're going to be in hell. That's how serious this was. You can't move an inch away from Christ. Furthermore, you shouldn't ever move an inch away from the gospel. The gospel is not something you just believe once in a time years ago. Folks, every day of your life is the gospel. As a matter of fact, I'll prove it to you. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes. That's not an aorist. That's not a perfect. That is a present tense verb. You ought to be believing today just like you did yesterday. You continually believe. It's not that you're getting more saved. It's the fact that you know full well that once you got saved, you can't move away from it. You can't move away from the gospel. You can't do it. So if you share in that heavenly calling today, if you've been delivered from the penalty of your sin, remember you're also delivered from the power of sin. You're not, not going to pull up short. Justification deals with the penalty of sin. Glorification will take away the very presence of sin. But in between, sanctification is dealing with the power of sin over your life. And God can take care of that too. As you submit yourself to Him and as you walk with God. So when we see by grace how deceitful and wretched and how awful our sin really is, we learn to look to Jesus and Him alone to renew our minds. God, bring every thought under captivity to the obedience of Christ. By the way, if you don't know the Word of God, it's hard to quote it. It's hard to fight against those things if, you, if your slate up there is full of Fortnite. If your slate up there is, is full of the world's things. Y'all laugh, but it's true. How are you going to fight against it? Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You can't fight against these things if you don't have the word of God in you. You, you don't think, Lord, oh, there's a temptation. And the enemy will make you think that your temptation is an actual sin, but it's not. But the reality is, immediately in your mind and heart... You run to Christ. You run to truth. You run to God. Help me bring every thought under captivity to the obedience of Christ. Y'all realize that I could preach on that from now to the time the game starts next Sunday. <laughs> I've lived it for 53 years. You know what it's like if you're a believer to wrestle with those things. And you've got to put the word of God in you so that it's a lamp unto your feet. And a light unto your path. So, when you know how desperately wicked you are and how gracious God was to save your soul you never move away from the gospel Moeller concludes his part in that book we must continue to hold firmly to the gospel lest the holiness of God shut us out of his rest wow that's a big statement there's no danger for the child of God to be shut out of his rest but if you move away from what you say you were then you're already outside of his rest. If you ever forget about the holiness of God in your life, you're in trouble. Because just because you're saved doesn't mean God stopped being holy. It's just that when he looks upon you, you're innocent. And there's therefore no, no condemnation. Not because of you, but because of Jesus.
What a blessing. So, endurance in the Christian life. Perseverance in the Christian life. They're not the means of salvation. In reality, they are the results of your salvation. Hearing today the lessons from the past. That's Sermon 1. Next week, we're going to dive into Psalm 95. See what it says and see what those encouragements are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Lord, I know that I get passionate. I get fired up about these things because I live it. Lord, before I ever speak a word, your word has spoken to me. Lord, it's, it's tempered my mind and moved my heart. It, it moves me to be concerned for a young generation. Lord, for children, they don't realize that to disobey mom and dad is to disobey you. They don't think about the ramifications of hearing the word and hardening their hearts. And I'll just respond tomorrow or the next day. Who knows if we'll have tomorrow? That's not a scare tactic. That's reality. We don't know. For adults, Lord, help us to hear what you say in your word and obey as your children. To not delay, but to respond and to live for you. If we have people under the sound of my voice today who are lost, then they've got to start where everybody else did, and that's putting their faith and trust in Jesus. Him alone for salvation. The only one that can propitiate. Turn the wrath of God away against us because of our sin. The only one that can cover our sin. When, you, when we trust you, you remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. You say it in Hebrews 10. To remember their sins no more. What a blessing. That before the Father, we're in a position where you don't remember our sins because you've covered them. Lord, help us to live in that reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Phil is going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. You'll stand. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to. A student once approached C.S. Lewis and said, I, I don't know what's going on in my spirit and my heart. And he starts enumerating these certain things of hearing the truth. And C.S. Lewis responded by saying, you're caught in the net of the Holy Spirit and you might as well give up. I think that many of you are like that. You sense what in the, in the olden, olden days we used to call the wooing of the Spirit. You, you sense the Spirit of God putting His finger on those areas. I just tell you, don't harden your heart. Respond 
obey. We're going to sing one more verse. Just as I am, am the tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, my tears and fears within, without a lamb of God, I come, I come. Well, praise the Lord. It's been good to be with God's people. Amen. Tonight, uh, Brother Jeffrey is going to be preaching, but we're also going to affirm as a congregation Bryce Hughes as our interim youth minister. So we want you to come tonight for that, all right? Uh, February 25th, I'll float this out there to you. We're going to do Baptist Men's Day. I love Baptist Men's Day. We're going to have a couple of testimonies from our men in the church. I used to do three of those, but I found out that lasts about an hour, and you probably would check out on that day, right? So we're going to do two of those testimonies. The men will fill the choir, all Baptist men, so you guys don't go out of town on the 25th, right? And help us. It would be a great. I just want to let you know about that on Sunday morning, the 25th of February. All right? God bless each one of you. Hope you have a, a good day in the Lord.